Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. I'm doing the show tonight with just my ideological adversary, my political (laughs) nemesis, my bete noir of the Republican Party, my good friend, Sue Timberlake. Hey, Sue! (laughs) The burr under your saddle. (laughs) Right. I think, no, I think I'm the burr under your saddle. (laughs) Well, it's it's a strange time we live in, I must say. Yeah, it's an odd time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners. If you want to chime in on anything, uh, uh, tweet at Civil Politics FM on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Civil Politics Radio, or uh, email contact at civilpoliticsradio.com. And that, of course, is our own special website with recordings of previous episodes and supplemental episodes and other good stuff. So, check all that out, please. Um, yeah, and so the big news I think this week for especially for us to talk about is the State of the Union address. And uh uh the I guess uh let let, let me dive in with the the thing that sort of struck me is kind of different and, and kind of unique, I think, to how President Biden has been doing this. Uh in every State of the Union I've address I've seen before this. Um, you know, the president would come in and it'd often be like, oh, yeah, hey, how you doing? You know, they'd be smiling and saying hello and shaking hands and whatever. But then the president would get up there and it would be more formal. And President Biden would like continue to be like, hey, shout out to my buds. Hey, Kevin McCarthy, finally speaker. <laughs> Good job, dude. And Hey, Mitchie McConnell, how you doing? Oh, Nancy Pelosi, give it up for perhaps the best speaker of the house ever. It's like this guy, you know, (laughs) even gave some kudos to Bush, President Bush on um, PEPFAR and the HIV fight. Right. Yeah, it was very interesting. He was very um, uh, bipartisan. Yeah. And a good and, you know, yeah, it was interesting in that my party actually stood up a few times during the state of the union with it, with the Democrats, you know, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. Well, but I mean, so, it, was, it was for stuff there where it'd be like, you, you know, you're just an absolute dirtbag If you won't, you know, stand up and clap for, you know, like lines, like police officers deserve to come home safe at the end of the day. And so do all the rest of us. And it's like, you know, no, I'm not going to get up and clap for people not being murdered in the streets by the police. Yeah, um, it's like, of course. Well, my party doesn't always fall for that. Sometimes they just look like they didn't hear what he said. You know. Yeah. I yeah. I just thought it was it was more like Congress used to be a little bit. You know, as you say, all the, the um, social social security and Medicare. I thought he did a really good job tricking them into standing up. It was um, it it was a real uh, what do they call it a a, a rope a dope or uh, uh, yeah something yes. you know yeah <laughs> yeah I thought that was I thought that was great because he was picking on what Rick Rick Scott and um, yeah and yeah, yeah. might have been DeSantis trying to say that they need to uh, sun sunset Medicare and Social Security every five years make everybody vote again. Well, and, and that uh, was explicitly saying, 
sorry, just that was yeah. explicitly part of the uh, policy proposals that Senator Rick Scott advanced before the 2020 election, uh, before the for the sorry for the midterms here uh, last year. Uh, as part of you know the Republican senatorial campaign committee, it's like, hey, this is what we should run on to put Republicans in the Senate, and it's like, and it included like, yeah, we got to make cuts to Social Security, and Medicare, and so it's like, you know, yeah. it absolutely is true that there's at least one Republican in that room who's like, yeah, let's cut that, and so it wasn't a lie. Did you hear what Biden did um, this week after the State of the Union? He went to Florida and he had (laughs) copies of their plans. Yeah, he had copies of their plans that he was handing out. (laughs) He said, you think I'm lying? Look at this. (laughs) Yeah, very funny. I think that's I think the kids call that having the receipts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I don't know what they put in his his morning coffee, but he's certainly having a better time than I've seen him have before. Uh, yeah, seemed like um, it. Seemed well, like he had good control of the crowd. That, well, this is kind of his thing, you know. Like he likes like you know showing up and being kind of avuncular, and it's a it's a crowd of people that he knows. A lot of these people, you know, like yeah. a bunch of them are people he's known for decades serving in the Senate. Uh, some of them he probably still thinks of as friends, you know. Uh, yeah, I think Mitch McConnell and he are still friends. Disagree, but friends. or at least friendly, yeah. you know. And that's, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a real challenge when you know talking to the Prince of Darkness. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, the other Prince of Darkness, I suppose, as opposed to uh, the Secretary <laughs> of State of Massachusetts. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Bill Galvin. Well, it it it's interesting because there were people. Remember when the the fellows. Shouted at Obama that he was a liar. Yeah, in, Scott in Wilson of um, South Carolina, I think. Maybe North Carolina. Yeah. I don't remember. And now. just horrifying. You know, nobody does that. There yeah. were people shouting at Biden throughout the State of the Union. Marjorie Quite. Taylor Greene. And, Repeatedly. Yeah, they yeah. were just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, it was very interesting. And when they said, to, he said something about LGBTQ folks. I don't know who um, Kristen Cinema was sitting with. But she, she, was sitting next to Mitt, she was sitting next to Mitt Romney. Yeah. So when they she was said sitting that, with the Republicans, the camera, so, you know, she's an independent now. Watched, but yeah. Well, I yeah. watched Fox. I, I switched uh-huh. channels during it just to see what they were showing, you know, see if it was different. Because uh-huh. there is a Makes pool sense. camera. But they they I think during the State of the Union, they get free reign with their cameras. Mm-hmm. So so when they talked about LGBTQ rights, she stood up and she had a bright yellow dress on and not yep. one person around her stood up. And I was like, oh, yeah. boy. So she's she's sitting in the territory. So, yeah, yeah it's sort of fun. Well, it's she's fun she she's one of the bees in that. So, you know, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I got I got to say that dress was certainly a statement. I'm not sure exactly about what, but, you know, I <laughs> like, I, you know, it's it's I was just really like. Wow, that dress is bright and it's big, you know. Yeah, it's almost neon. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's, and- it's like, pay attention to me. I'm sitting here amongst all these dark clad, jow- you know, glowering Republicans. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, well, it's, uh, it's refreshing. A little more color in the. I like oh, it when I all mean, the women yeah. wore white. Do you remember oh, that, that was great? Yeah, was like a- four years ago, yeah. I think. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was yeah. during mm-hmm. one of the one of President Trump's. Um, uh, speeches, which, uh, you know, yeah. were pretty tedious for the most part. So, um, did you see, uh, president Trump was apparently 
um, live truthing on Truth Social during the State oh, of the Union. I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, I and, didn't know. And he, what was fascinating was he was basically like, oh, yeah, Joe's doing pretty well for him. You know, like he's fired up. You know, good job, Joe. You know, of course, he's wrong on all these policies, but it's nice to see him uh, uh, showing up with a bit of energy for once. And it was like weirdly positive about Joe Biden from President Trump. <laughs> oh, well, he probably wanted to get media to cover him. Yeah, could be. that's interesting. Because, you I, know, I, he knows yeah. he knows where the pulse of America is. So he's sort of repeating what people were thinking at home, maybe. He is interesting. Uh, he he is good at figuring out what the media wants to cover. That is certainly a, yep. a gift that he has. And I honestly, I think part of it is just on some level, uh, uh, former President Trump is, you know, he's a he's a showbiz guy. He's a you know he's he's a he's a huckster and 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 a and a kind of a mafioso type but he's also like you know he's a game show host guy he's like i'm gonna put on a show and what are people paying attention to and you know and thinking about how is this person playing how is this uh uh how well, how does this look for the cameras or whatever you know how is this playing yeah. to the crowd that is absolutely you know one of the things he does i mean he's I, I I think he's terrible, but he's really good at crowd work for the people who want to yeah, listen to him, you know, and, and Biden well, was doing good crowd work. Yeah. Well, and I think Trump is kind of a gadfly. He's not on like uh -huh. he's sort of talented, like um, Rupert Murdoch is that they mm. know what will sell a paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. They just really know it. They just they immediately know it. It's it is a talent. It's, you know, what you use it for is important, but. Yeah, it is a talent. It, it it's is so yeah. funny. He was on True Social. <laughs> well, and yeah. I think we talked about this before, but he actually can't go on Twitter until I think it's June or July. Oh, really? That he has a. Oh, yeah, right, right. He, he had an exclusive he, deal because doesn't he own True Social yeah. or something? Yeah, he's invested or licensed or something. Yeah, but th there's some preclusion, so we might not really see him. I mean, other people can retweet his stuff, but. I don't think he I think he's got some restrictions and he's obviously honoring them. Usually he just cheats, but I guess not that time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Mm, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, we should talk more about the State of the Union, but at some point uh, and maybe we'll get to it later tonight. Uh, we really should talk about. Uh, uh, did you see his uh, deposition <laughs> The the tape of his uh, oh, Trump's? Yeah. Four hundred. I think yeah. the number was 400. That he the fifth. Played the fifth, yeah. Only, uh, only didn't say fifth. He said same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Well. Same answer. He's uh, <laughs> He's got a lot to take the fifth on. It reminds me a bit of that old quip of um, Winston Churchill's, you know. It's like, well, you must admit that, you know, uh, uh, Neville Chamberlain, or maybe it was Clement Attlee, uh, but, you know, it's like, well, you must admit, Mr. Chamberlain, you know, one thing you can say for him is he's he's quite modest. And Churchill said, yes, and he has so much to be modest about. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I thought this was a I thought this was a good moment, a good bit of political theater by President Biden. Uh, and that's yeah. one of the things the presidency is about is getting up there and 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 just giving a good pep talk. You know, uh, it, it's there's more to it than 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 just. Uh, just that, obviously, the presidency is a big job that has a lot of moving parts. But part of it is being the locker room coach 
giving a the stirring halftime speech at least once a year. And and this was it. And, you know, Joe Biden's pretty good at that part of the job, uh, at least when he's, you know, focused and whatnot. Um, and and he certainly well, as you said, like he um the the oh no, don't throw me in the briar patch there. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So well, he was clearly expecting I, people to get up and start yelling, calling him a liar and whatnot. And so being able to say, oh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, and oh, yeah, well, you know, oh, if you, you don't agree with that, then I'm glad we all agree that we're not going to cut Social Security and Medicaid. See, you're all standing up and agreeing with me. We have unanimity. And it's like, yeah, yep. <laughs> you guys, you guys <laughs> just walked into that. <laughs> yeah, the trap. Well, I think uh, you mentioned it before, but that that starting with sort of honoring Hakeem Jeffries and Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. and um, Kevin McCarthy, and he actually and got yeah. them yeah. To, yeah. to stand up for Nancy Pelosi, both sides. Yeah. Even though yeah. none of the Republicans, except for I think Romney, went to her um, whatever that dinner was to say her goodbye. Her farewell dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah none was... of them actually wanted to, to do that. But after the they the nice shout outs to Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, you know, like it would they would have looked like absolute jerks not to stand up and at least go, Yes, indeed, Nancy. Golf club. Did you golf notice club. he, he <laughs> yeah. didn't he didn't um mention Chuck Schumer until the sort of the next paragraph? He he didn't do him in that group. He did him after that. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, and I of didn't course, notice that. Chuck Schumer's doing a good job. Yeah, because I had I wrote it down: Hakeem Jeffries, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. Then he did a little piece on Nancy Pelosi, and then um, sort of almost as an afterthought, he mentioned Chuck Schumer. So, uh, I, and I didn't he call Chuck Schumer mix it up and accidentally call him the minority leader? Yeah, something was yeah, yeah, something was off. Something was definitely yeah. Um, did you notice? Did I don't know if you noticed when they were panning around. I like I said, I watched a couple of different channels to see who's doing what to whom. And um Bernie Sanders was the only one that I saw with a mask on. Yeah, likewise. So, yeah. And, Which is you yeah. know, we're not we're not done with COVID, but I guess some of us are more immune than others. So I he's he's right. Um uh you know, it for a lot of people, uh, uh, we're we're adequately vaccinated. Our immune systems are reasonably are are adequately functional. That we're not in a great danger from uh, getting COVID just by going out and and you know being in public and mingling with people. Yeah, that's that's true. Great, but there. Room, th- yeah, room. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say a room with five hundred and thirty-five people plus probably is a good place to wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, like, like there's hundreds of people in there. Um, yeah. And All ventilation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, and they're, you're, you know, they're going to be there for, you know, a couple hours at least. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, uh, wearing a mask would have been very smart um, and safer for all concerned. And uh, the uh, pandemic isn't over the the immediate crisis of 2020 that has passed thankfully but covid is still killing something like 3000 americans a week so that's still a lot of people and you know uh, uh lots of people are are struggling with the long term effects of a covid infection 
and they're getting it again. And yeah, it's it's just not safe. It's just not safe yeah. at all, especially for people yeah, who I are know. immunocompromised. And there's millions of them here in America. Yeah, I know somebody who has long COVID, young woman, and yeah. COVID wrecked her her job and she's she's working as a home health care aide now and she just got it again but she also has long COVID so mm. yeah it's really just young healthy person just you know really changed her life mm. hard it's really tough yeah and there's lots of people like that you just don't hear about them they're sort of you know trying to make the best of a really bad situation so yeah so I I gotta say um I was disappointed with President Biden for saying you know COVID is over. The public health emergency is going to be ended shortly. And it's like, but the public health emergency isn't over for millions of Americans. It's over for, yeah. uh, uh, you know, average, younger, healthier people. But, um, you know, there's lots of people in this country who aren't in good health uh, because they haven't had health care for years. And they haven't, you know, even now their insurance isn't necessarily good enough to help, to let them properly take advantage of it. And yeah, like this is, there's, there's so much we still need to do. And, and like I said, there's still lots of people who are facing tremendous jeopardy and, uh, you know, and I follow some of them on Twitter and they're, they're very, you know, not even bitter, I suppose anymore. They're just sort of like, yeah, okay. Well, what you're saying is, you know, it's okay if you, you know, Matthew Cortland, uh, uh, attorney from Boston who uh, has, uh, you know, various illnesses that mean that you're immunocompromised. You know, if you get sick and die from COVID, eh, we're, we're not that bothered, you know? And uh, well, it's tough. I, I think it's yeah. tough on the president to thread the needle because, in a way, the pandemic is over because that has a very specific definition. Mm-hmm. But the disease is not gone and it's endemic now it's you know in the yeah. in the environment and it so i think he probably shouldn't have said it the way he said it because it said like okay yeah. it's over but it's you know it's like he needs to he needs to speak in in better ways to have people understand what he was trying to say and i i think they are trying to change you know the chapter is it 42 that that keeps immigrants out. They're using it as a public health. Emergency. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I I think he you know he's he's trying to end that also, which he intends to. And you know scientifically, it's probably should have been ended. But yeah, it's like he muddled it all together somehow mm-hmm. and didn't have a clear message, which has been true of a lot of the COVID stuff. Then you know, plus plus it's new for us, so I think that's some of it. No. Did you think he was muddled um, in his language? He like wasn't finishing his words and kind of, I mean, he looks so old to me, even yeah. older than when he first ran it. He stumbled, you know, he stumbles a little bit when he walks. He has a funny gait. I swear the guy's had some sort of a stroke or something. Hasn't affected his cognitive abilities, but he, he just seems, even in the best moments that during the State of the Union, I felt like he just, you know, it's like, what's he saying? What did he, what did he say? Yeah. He's, and I have a new sound, sound bar so I can hear the words better, but I, yeah. he, he's mud, speaks muddled. He is a bit of a mush mouth, always has been. Apparently he's always struggled with a stutter. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, um, he does seem a little, 
he seems a little more doddery and frail to me. He, you know, he seems like a like a for a man who's eighty. He seems like he's in really good shape. Actually, um, definitely seems uh, uh, reasonably vigorous and healthy for you know even a man forty years younger. But uh, yeah. at the same time, he is president, and that is it, that's a heck of a job, even for a person who was forty years younger. Um, I would say that, um, yeah, like there are definitely moments where he seemed to uh, uh, lose the thread a little bit. And I couldn't tell, you know, some of that's probably just him struggling with the words as has always been a problem for him. And some of that is probably him working to keep the thread of what he was talking about um, while he's also thinking about what's going to come next. I, 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 don't know i'm not sure um and i wish john were here to sort of chime in because this is the kind of thing he's very adept at at, yeah he watches very carefully yeah um well we'll we'll probably talk about it maybe oh next week are we having um we're gonna have the mayor you think uh, we, if uh, if things go as planned, we will indeed have the mayor of East Hampton, Nicole LaChapelle, back with us next week. But um, that that, you know, we'll we'll see if that actually happens. If not, she'll she'll come back on the show soon because it's fun to talk yeah. to her. Um, and I like hearing about what's going on in the town I live in. <laughs> oh, I so. know. East Hampton's got a lot going on. So yeah. I was going to try and do some homework, too. I need to do some homework about that too. But, um, <laughs> ask, her, ask her good questions, but that, that yeah. Well, you know, the, the novelty uh, of that, comparing... if nothing else, will probably make it more fun for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she is so articulate and so quick spoken, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I sort of think of people like her when I watch Joe Biden on TV and think, oh my God, you know, can I wait for him to finish the sentence? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's tough. Because when yeah. it's, you know, it's tough. Well, President, if you see, uh, uh, you know, footage of President Biden talking 30 years ago when he was, you know, a man in his, I don't know how old Nicole is, you know, sometime in her 40s anyways, Prime. maybe her 50s. But I don't know. She, I, I get the impression she's younger than I am. So I think she might still be in her 40s. Oh, and here I am speculating about a lady's age on the radio. My God. <laughs> I'm going to be John cut that out. <laughs> I'll be blackballed from the club, but in all seriousness, um, I, I don't know uh, uh, how, uh, sorry, I, I got distracted there for a moment. I, I don't know uh, uh, how much of what's going on with president Biden is stress of the job and just age and maybe other things, but lack of sleep. Yeah, but yeah. there was always always a certain um uh there were always moments where he'd be like uh, trying to think of the think of the word or whatever uh much as I am right now as I'm uh, <laughs> improvising my dialogue, you know, I haven't scripted this out. Uh but you know, when he was, you know, say in his 50s as I am, he was a lot better at it because younger and more vigorous. I mean, this is a a thing that uh, friends of mine who are a bit older than I have have remarked on, it can be harder to like improvise and think on your feet. And especially hopping from one topic to another can be harder as one gets a bit older. And I I, I see that in President Biden, you know, that there are definitely um, moments where 
you know, he's like, I've got to stick to the thread, but there's this other thing I want to bring up and how am I going to do that? And, you know, like, like that can be challenging. Um, uh, certainly. Yeah, inartfully. Yeah. Long-time listeners like this, you do. <laughs> long-time listeners of the show know that I can screw that up pretty badly too. And it's often on evenings when I'm tired. Um, and I don't know. I just imagine 30 years from now, if I'm still alive and able to do a show like this, I probably won't do it as well. <laughs> but well, and uh, he went through, it was a long speech lesson. It wasn't it mm-hmm. like 70 minutes or yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised more he, than an hour. he went the yeah. distance and full of, you know, full yeah. of all kinds of stuff. A lot of, well, lot of lists of accomplishments. And, and, and he had, I mean, he had prepared remarks, but he didn't have a teleprompter, did he? It looked like he had a, um, um, it looked like he had like a binder in front of him with like sort of bullet points, like, you know, here are some facts and figures and things to mention and whatever, you know, to sort of, you know, notes to help him through. But it didn't look like he was just reading an address off the prompter. And I think that's part of why it yeah. felt a bit different. It did feel looser and more, uh, Folksy? Uh, folksy yeah I, I don't want to, not exactly informal but uh but yeah less 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 uh uptight less tight collared because he was uh, uh he was riffing to some extent he was talking about stuff that he knew and he he planned to talk about and he he'd, you know i'm sure he'd rehearsed the speech a few times but you know in the end he wasn't going in there and 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 working off the prompter um, which is especially yeah, gutsy when for an older man uh, who has a bit of a speech impediment. So yeah, he riffed with the audience a couple of times when they were shouting at him, and mm-hmm. I forget there was there was another place I forget where it was, you know, the Medicare stuff, and they started shouting back. But there's oh the border stuff when he's talking about oh yeah, mm-hmm. that people were yelling, and uh, and somebody said something about the border, and he said you got it, secure the border. Or something, but it was clearly he was in command of that, and that yeah. I don't usually see that with him. You yeah, know, he was the guy who said, "Let's do push-ups right here," you know, to Trump. It was, you know, yeah. it was awkward, and whereas this was much more, yeah, border exactly <laughs> was was a good comeback. Yeah, yeah, good comeback. It's, a, it's like we've got lots of people on the border making lots of arrests, so clearly that part's handled. Let's work on the rest of it. So, and yeah. actually, yeah, we're pretty good. We're we're probably at about the halfway point here. So let's take a quick break, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs. Uh, and then we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a couple of minutes. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Michael Dow, and I'm still doing the show with uh, uh, Sue Timberlake uh, and actually just Sue Timberlake. That's that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the two of us. That's all there is. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Genre <laughs> uh, uh, had something else come up, so I hope... Uh, I hope whatever it is, it works out well and, uh, you know, uh, that they don't press charges. And, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> and if not, uh, you know, dude, I got your back. Uh, I can handle up to five grand worth of bail. Just call me. Let me know. It's fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'll be our bail bondsman. Excellent. Right, Good exactly. to know. Good to know. I'm writing down your cell phone number now. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, assuming this isn't all edited out, in which case, hello, and we're back with civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. <laughs> so, if you only hear one of those, you know, genre took his uh, his right, pen, exactly uh, our, our banter. He's 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 cleaning things up. Uh, yeah. So, uh, actually, so another moment where there was a certain amount of, uh, I think, back chatter and and reluctance was, um, uh after when when president biden mentioned the war in ukraine um maybe it was just uh because i was i remember noticing how he, he talked about how it was important to 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 stand up to russian aggression and support the ukrainian people in their fight to you know maintain their own liberty and you know and kamala harris is right on her feet clapping and, you know she's the vice president of course that's what she's going to do but it was Noteworthy that Kevin McCarthy was just sitting there with this kind of pained expression on his face, and he wasn't even clapping. Like there were a few times when he was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll give you the golf clap. I'm not going to get up, Joe, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we should perhaps not let people starve or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know, grumpy Republican. You know, like grumpiness. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, you know, hasn't he, hasn't he said that they want to revisit the money going to Ukraine? They they think there's been a lot of several Republicans and, certainly have. Yeah, yeah. I think McCarthy's. I think he he couldn't. And I I just have a quick bullet point on that because he went sure. through a laundry list at that point. He was talking about China, you know, competing with them, um, not having conflict with them. But Ukraine, all I have is a note quote Ukraine. That was it. So I didn't. Whatever he said about <laughs> Ukraine, I didn't. I didn't really take in, but that's interesting that the Republicans didn't stand because they've been pretty good on that so far. You know, our guys have been some of them have pretty. Been. Yeah, the, yeah. the the Republicans who meant it when they were talking about you know fighting the Cold War and standing up to you know Russia, the Russians and whatnot. Uh, the ones the ones who were serious about that are you know like of course we're supporting Ukraine, and the ones who basically were just using that as a convenient excuse to attack the Democrats are okay with the russians and so they're much less interested in in selling arms to ukraine um which is fine i guess uh horrifying yeah i you know i well maybe it's an age thing because you know i'm old enough to remember the cold war and 
have sort of lived through As part of I. it. But yeah, and mm-hmm. and but I'm wondering if some of the Congress folks really don't understand, you know, the challenge to democracy. They just, you know, they haven't experienced it. They they don't they don't quite believe it. Perhaps you know, it's sort of like a white person, you know, seeing what happened to um, Tyree Nichols and being horrified. But it isn't the same experience if you're black. Oh God, you no. know and. You know, it's the same kind of thing that people that haven't experienced the tyranny of an autocrat or lived in freedom and, you know, basically had a pretty easy go of it. They don't, you know, I don't think you take it in the same way. Or I'm, I'm, a, I'm imagining that. I actually don't know what it's well, like for somebody who hasn't I, been through it. So. I was 19 years old when the Berlin Wall came down. And when I was just in my early 30s, about... 20 odd years ago, I was working for a little while as a teaching assistant at UMass because I was, you know, in the master's program doing history of science. And so I was uh, uh, TAing in a history of science survey class uh, with professors Larry Owens and Brian Ogilvie. Both great guys did great work. Shout out to them and their scholarship uh, and their mentorship. They were they were really cool to me. Um, but uh, I remember uh, towards the uh, end of the second semester, the end of the spring semester, when we're getting up to talking about uh, history of science and technology, and one of the, you know, the big trends in uh, the history of science and technology in the 19th and 20th centuries is the increasing uh, the, the the hand in glove relationship between science and scientists and scientific research and industry and the military, and like. Hey, there's real money to be made uh, in developing patents. It, it's not just we can come up with better products, but we can better secure our revenue streams if we have patents because patents are protected in the Constitution and so forth. Um, so that would lead to basic research. And the military, of course, was like, oh, wow, you know, uh, uh, science has given us all these great new weapons, you know, like, uh, you know, like radar and just the uh, – uh, so much of World War II would have been very different without all the work done in the radio lab at MIT, you know, the uh, the development of, of proximity fuses and radar to early warning systems and whatnot, you know, and that was a big deal. And then, of course, there was the atomic bomb. And uh, in the course of talking about the atomic bomb and how it worked and why it was developed and then how the Cold War, you know, the 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 after World War II scientific uh, establishment came to be created. You know, the DARPA was created, uh, you know, Defense Advanced Research Projects Administration, just this whole huge government investment in all kinds of science and technology, some of which, you know, spun off in wildly different directions that, you know, didn't really have anything to do with the military per se, like the internet, uh, for example, and transistors and everything else. Um, but I had students, and this is the why I sort of went off on this tangent, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I had students in 2002 uh, who were asking me, so what the heck was the deal with the Cold War? You know, it's only 13 years after the Berlin Wall has come down. Yep. And, yep. you know, the, the kids who were uh, uh, five to eight years old when that happened, had no real idea. It was like this thing and okay, it's a big deal. Um, But they were actually alive when it happened. So now, you know, 
this is this is ancient history. This is as uh, 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 this must in some ways feel as uh, before the you know from the before times as maybe World War One did when I was a kid. Um, no, World War Two. World War One was longer ago. Um, you know, I was yeah. I was. It had been over for fifty years by the time I started rolling around. But um, yeah, I, I can't imagine how much that must change the way people respond to uh, sort of the saber rattling and, you know, the existence of NATO and why do we have it? And what is, is it such a big deal? And, you know, all of this sort of, you know, yeah. geopolitical balance of power stuff. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how it really has to be in the fabric. You know, when you're five years old, you know, what's on TV and the news isn't really in your fabric. It's probably more Teletubbies or whatever you grew up on. So, well, yeah, so I mean, I didn't have Teletubbies, song, obviously, but, you know, like I certainly watched Sesame Street and Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Rogers back in the mid 1970s. But also one of my early memories is of, you know, watch seeing Richard Nixon on television talking about Watergate. So, yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I was watching the news as a kid because um, yeah. I'm weird and that was the kind of family I was. In. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the um, well, and I, I always say. Uh, AUH2O 64, yeah, yeah. which is Goldwater gold mm-hmm. bumper sticker, which I loved because I also like chemistry. So it was, you know, yeah. I must have had an early, a early thing for that. Do you remember mm-hmm. that song, 55 Red Balloons, the German song? I thought it was 99. 99. Sorry. 99 Luftballons. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 That was, well, uh, that, I was in junior high when that came out. Yeah. And wasn't that around the Berlin Wall? That was part of the, the, um, the sort of the, youth that was culture yes it was absolutely it was a west german song nana i think was the woman's name yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and it and you know it just portrayed the you know futility of generals and war and that behavior and being on aggression and but i think of that as a modern song you know i i i think of that as you know a song i might hear in a you know bar now and it's how old is it? It's really old. So that's part about of my 40 fabric. years old now. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And I think of that as like a, a, you know, teenage song, like a 20 year old, they'd know what that was, but it's before them. Yeah. It's very interesting because you lose, you lose track of that. And so all that, that interweaving of all that culture, you know, you really have to look at when somebody was alive and what they were watching and what they were hearing on the news to get a sense of, you know, what they, what they might think is important Mm. because it, you know, it's just long gone, as you say, ancient history. So, but that's so funny because I think of that as modern, that's now 99 red balloons is now, and it's not, it's 40 years ago. So very strange. Uh, All right. Well, here's something, uh, actually maybe John mentioned this, uh, and to me and I, and I'm so I'm repeating him, but somebody pointed out to me, um, that, uh, Kids, people who were brought born into this world after September 11th, 2001, are now old enough to legally buy their own alcohol. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, they don't remember 9 and 11 at all because it literally happened before they were born and they've never seen a world where it didn't shape, uh, you know, sort of American thinking and politics. Yeah. And, 
you know, like for most, you know, un- up until quite recently, you know, we had always been at war in Afghanistan and, uh, you know, uh, and a lot of the time we've been at war in Iraq, too. So uh, just a yeah, whole we've different been at war a lot mm-hmm. for everybody that's, you know, in their 20s and 30s. We've been at war the whole time. Yeah. Well, we've been at war a lot anyways as a nation. Um, and we have a ridiculously huge defense budget, um, which I think. Uh, there's a, a a great little clip, uh, and actually I'll see if I can get Jarmer to throw it in the show notes. It's only a minute long uh, of an interview from an interview uh, uh, Ted Turner did with uh, the great, you know, scientist Carl Sagan back in like, I don't know, 1982 or something. And just the, the clip is Ted Turner asked Carl Sagan if he's a socialist and Carl Sagan, you know, uh, you know, demurs on, you know, identifying too closely with a political label in part because he's like, look, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but uh, here are all these problems that we have, you know, like there are, uh, uh, you know, we're 19th in the world in infant mortality. So there's 18 other nations that do a better job of taking care of their babies than we do. And how do they do that? It's simple. They just spend more money on it. And uh, we're an enormously wealthy nation and we could, make all these problems, you know, if not entirely go away, we could do so much more to, to, to improve things if we wanted to, and we don't. And then he concluded with, we are spent, we have enormous amounts of money and we aren't, you know, and we're, we're spending it all on stuff like star Wars and whatnot. We are spending money on the wrong stuff. And I, I think that's still totally apt. Uh, you know, we are spending a lot of money on the wrong stuff. Like basketball stars. Well, that's not a government expenditure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they usually subsidize the arenas and blah 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 and let them. Oh have yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And... <laughs> I think I, I, I absolutely think that if you're going to get public financing, the public, you know, the the public, the you know, if the city's going to fund the stadium, the city should own the team. You know, yeah. Like, I only get a cut in in perpetuity. Yeah. yeah with you. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, 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 say what everyone wishes to about LeBron James, for example, who apparently just became the all-time scoring leader for the National Basketball Association. Um, you know, like he's he's made a ton of money because people want to see him play basketball really well. And, you know, and if that's what, something people enjoy, why the heck not? It, you know, it's in it, huge business and lots of folks can right. take rent. Yeah. But it's I it's saw, not compulsory. Um, it's not like taxes where like you have to file them every true. year, you know. Um, and you know, and there's plenty of stuff our taxes pay for that's good, you know, like social security and Medicaid and uh uh sending weapons to Ukraine so they can avoid being overrun and exterminated by, you know, Vladimir Putin's Russian army. Uh so you know. There's stuff that's worth spending, but um, I don't know. I, I the the it, I, I thought it was interesting to hear President Biden talk about uh, law enforcement this year, uh, you know, and, and uh, invite Tyree Nichols's mother and father to get up and. Oh, that's you know, right. Yeah, they were there you know, and and talked about how, you know, there's a huge problem that we need to solve. And yes. Police officers should go home safely at the end of their shift. But, you know, people stood up for that. Yeah. But of course, everybody else deserves to go home safely, too. You know, like and they stood up for that. 
Yeah, right. that was. I thought that was pretty brilliant, actually. Yeah. Well, um, and it's a mark contrast to was it last year where he said, "No, we can't defund the police. We've got to fund them." And it's like, eh, you're kind of missing what that's you gotta, about. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get a little closer. I saw another place where Mitt Romney stood up, and I thought it was interesting. He was talking about the hauling out of not Romney, um, Biden hauling out of U.S. manufacturing jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, that there were, uh, he said, 300 bipartisan bills passed in the last two years, which I can believe that because they actually have been yeah. pretty busy. But Romney stood up for um, each auto needs 3,000 chips each. 40% of the market share in the U.S. is down to 10% given how we let, you know, a lot of our technology get away. Huh. And then he, then I don't he remember that million. part. I must have been snoozing or something because i that's interesting please, please <laughs> well, keep going <laughs> well and i have a new sound bar so i can actually hear everything he says huh. um 10 million 10 million americans started businesses and people love that yeah and um that's when Mitt romney stood up but it was around you know all the stuff like the lead pipes he touched on in 10 mm-hmm. million homes that need that need you know the pipes replaced because they use lead. i mean it's just the, sit, and, the, the and homes and, and by, municipalities, yeah. Yeah, and by American, which is always a little controversial, but he just, you know, he sort of reiterated the the pressure that he's putting on, what he's trying to do, and then, you know, he's got another two years here. To, yeah, well, to, finish the job was kind of the tagline of the night, and it's a good tagline. Finish the job, right. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it's true. There is more work to be done, and we do need to you know, finish the job. Um, I don't know how much progress President Biden and his administration will actually make in the fraught issues involving law enforcement and violence in this country. Um, you know, because I genre, I think, really nailed it when we talked about that last week. You know, he said, like, look, there's huge racial overtones. But in the end, this is a problem of the police being of police violence, full stop, you know, uh, they shoot white people too, <laughs> and they do. You know, did you see <laughs> it's absolutely the, true? The uh, re- reporter, this is it, was in the news this week. One of the reporters from News Nation, you know, that new channel that's sort of a blend of CNN and I don't know. I don't who know else. it, but anyway, anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. His reporter, they were at a um, press conference with uh, Devine in Ohio, Governor of Ohio, Mike Devine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mike Devine, Devine, yeah, sorry. And the guy is a big, burly guy, sort Mm -hmm. of hard to tell what his nationality is. He's sort of an all-American kind of. And um, the the security guys surround him and forced him to leave. And they actually knock him down and handcuff him. And and they have TV footage of everything but what started it. And one of the policemen pushed him in their report that he sort of lunged at them, but didn't lunge at them. The reports are really, they're already out, but um, it's very interesting because he was, he was charged with um, trespassing, which it was, he was invited. It was a press press conference. Yeah. He was in with the news pool. He was a and, journalist that um, pub- invited to a public event. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's and, trespassing. And, all right. Well, and it's really it's really hard to get a sense of what in the world they why they did it or and the and like I said, the cameras rolled shortly after they separated them from the rest of the press. Mm -hmm. But it it 
nobody's really sure what happened and you know it'll be interesting to see but it was you know huge policemen sort of mm-hmm. pushing this guy around and he was being cooperative at least in the part that you could see you know and he ended up leaving in handcuffs and the governor intervened to get him out of um out of jail overnight mm-hmm. um DeWine intervened but it's kind of odd it's like there's something here that doesn't make any sense you know there's something really strange about this this event so i guess we'll find out more but that same kind of why would you make a reporter leave a press event open to the public and he was on the air and it's a national news channel it's not like you know he was pretending to be somebody from valley free radio you know he was just yeah. like a, a a real reporter so yeah very very troubling and very well i find it interesting but that same kind of a thing that you know they're kind of hoping it just goes away but it's like why why would you be you know pushing a reporter it just I, it doesn't make any sense and they don't have anything in their report that says you know he attacked us he did this he did that it's it's like all non nonsense the whole thing is nonsense honestly so, it kind anyway. of reminds me so the, uh, the the other sort of uh, uh, incandescent news story over the past week, of course, has been the spy balloon that drifted over from China. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it, you know, it, it, the thumbnail is, yeah, it was a big balloon. Yeah, apparently it was full of electronic surveillance spy gear uh, from China. And apparently, you know, and it very likely was deliberately cast adrift to to cover the United States. Um, but it almost certainly didn't uh, actually discover anything that wasn't already publicly available or that China might not be finding out in other ways by, you know, hacking databases or whatever. They jammed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they so, jammed it as it went across the Because I saw right. it early when it was right. in the last. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but it was a huge diplomatic blunder, you know, a huge faux pas because, you know, Anthony Blinken, the secretary of state was about to go to China to talk about, a, you know, to have talks about uh, uh, patching up relations and doing a better job of working on common interests and whatnot, which we have plenty of, not least of which is addressing the climate crisis. So that's just not happening because of this, you know, completely pointless and needlessly provocative move. you know, and it's very, very likely that uh, this wasn't something that was ordered by President Xi Jinping at all. It was just like probably some branch of the Chinese military or whatever was like just doing their usual thing according to their usual yep. calendar. And they were saying it was a private company, but maybe a subcontractor to the military. Sh- sure. Like, just, yeah. With uh, automatic pilot just did it. Just, just like the CIA has, you know, private contractors or whatever, you know, and they, you know, they might yeah. have been like, oh, hey, you know, we've got to launch another balloon before the quarterly invoice closes. Otherwise, we don't get to bill them an extra eh, for this, you know, yeah. for another balloon. So quick, get it out the door, you know, so. Uh, With no just, regard to the uh, summit that was just about to happen, yeah, right, exactly, and same kind of thing could have happened to Governor Dewine. So you know, it's like uh, yeah. I wanted to uh, talk about things like a normal person, not watch <laughs> randomly attack a journalist. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, him go from off. The herd and <laughs> yeah, take him down and handcuff him. Exactly, yeah, it, was, it was. Yeah, it was. It was bizarre no no like has an outstanding warrant no there's yeah. just like nothing in there they're just saying that you know 
one of the policemen pushed him. I he mean, looked, that was the report. He looked at me <laughs> funny or something. Yeah. It, That's actually that that was a sentence in the police report. He was looking at me funny or something, or he, uh, he gave me a, a stare. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh boy, here uh, we go. Which is why I mentioned it in the, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the you know, don't, don't attract attention by the, yeah. The powers that be. That, that, that's so very, a thing. Very bizarre. That's a thing we've got to work on as, as a nation. Like, as I said last week, clearly in a nation of 320 odd million people, we got to have some law enforcement. That's just the thing we, we're going to have to have. But um, maybe they could not be, you know, trigger happy bullies. <laughs> I was going to say on a hair hair trigger or have big toes. Some people yeah. say that, you know, they have big toes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, he talked a little bit about sort of the, the police. I don't have too much on that. Just what you, yeah. you already mentioned. Well, he so. didn't, he didn't talk about it a great deal, but he did touch on it in a more uh, nuanced and sympathetic way than he did last year. And I think in a way, you know, the great advantage to Joe Biden as a president for, from, from a lefty perspective like mine is he does have a way of sort of reaching out and connecting with people who are further to the right than I and whatnot. And oh my goodness, we are really approaching the uh, the end of the show here. Uh, so we didn't have any, we didn't talk at all about Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her, uh, you know, weighing into the culture war and whatnot. But that's, yeah. I guess, like a, like a stark contrast to President Biden is she did not seem happy or, you know, conciliatory or, you know, in any way appealing to somebody who didn't already agree with her. But, you know, I kind of thought she looked like Wednesday on the Adams family. And oh, yeah. Very, you know, dark. And the background was very dark. So, well, and I know we have to go. We're we're wrapping up. But well, last Biden word for you. then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of proposals, you know, mm-hmm. the top 55 companies didn't pay any taxes. He wants a 15 percent minimum. Actually, mm-hmm. there is a 15 percent minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, uh, he said, we need oil for at least a decade. And all my party laughed at him. He proposed to quadruple taxes on any company that buys tax buybacks. I mean, uh, stock buybacks. I thought that was interesting. I did too. And he, he said 25% of the deficit was added by Donald Trump, which is actually true. You know, that tax break really put a huge hole in our, Mm -hmm. in our debt. So anyway, it's, um, you know, he just he had a lot of things and you don't have the feeling that he's going to be able to accomplish. It. At least I don't. I don't have the feeling that there's momentum in the Congress. It feels sort of gridlocked to me, but I guess we'll we'll find out. Well, I think it is kind of gridlocked, uh, you know, like the Republican Party as, you know, in part defining itself as as the adversaries of the Democrats. So, you know, if Biden says up, you know, they have a strong incentive to say down just because, you know, even if it's like, Hey, how about we, uh, you know, like I vote we all go have lunch and, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, relax and and play Frisbee. You know, So there's going to be a certain amount of like, well, no, lunch is bad and screw your Frisbee there, lefty. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just... I don't want to. Nobody wants to look like they're going along with him. Yeah, right. I, I think it's yeah, it's well, no. yeah. we're in such armed camps that everybody thinks everybody's looking at everybody else funny. It's like, are you are you talking to me? <laughs> They're all ready for a fight. So I'm going to try and have a conversation with a friend of a friend of a friend who um, who has a relative who was a conscientious objector in World War II. 
Mm. And I have family that it was also uh, the Quaker part of my family were um, conscientious objectors in World War Two. And we don't agree on anything, the two of us. But we, no. I thought that was a good place to start a conversation because we had a relative that, you know, didn't didn't go to war against the greatest evil of all time. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's maybe a starting point, but it's hard. It's hard to it find is. places to talk to people. It is. Well, you, I. I it, it, we, we really should go. But like uh, just as a, as a last I've I've had people call me out for supporting uh, our arming the army of Ukraine in their, their war with Russia right now. And I'm absolutely against. I think war is a terrible thing. I don't think we should do them. Uh, and I absolutely don't think we should start them. But I think if somebody else invades, then, you know, uh, unless you're actually OK with them taking over your country, uh yeah, taking up arms to fight them back, I think, is 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 a sensible and appropriate thing to do. And I, I'm I'm against starting wars. I'm not against winning them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ukraine is definitely a threat to democracy around the world. So Ukraine, not Ukraine Russia. But the, yeah, <laughs> well, no, I, I meant the war yeah. in Ukraine, not Ukraine. No, Ukraine yeah. is you know they're busy growing wheat and sunflower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Anyway, so we we should we should indeed wrap it up here. Hopefully, we uh, uh, you know aren't over time. But uh, yeah, thanks for doing the show with me, Sue. Um, so that's going to do it for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, thanks for listening. Coming up next is Subculture, followed by Table of Contents at ten, and then OK Asia at midnight, and uh, then we've got a repeat broadcast Monday at four p.m. And you can listen to us as a podcast uh, anytime starting tomorrow morning. So thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.